Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude. It's the end of the year as we know it. This is the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got Andy Don with me. Andy, you ready to talk about some records and uh, look forward to the future? Yeah. Yeah. I was looking forward to the future. That's why I got my, got my sunglasses on because uh, it looks so bright. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You got to wear shades. How about you, Don? It was a very good year. That's it? That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> no bu 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 after. <laughs> More to come. Shooby dooby doo. All right. So, yes, this is our favorite albums of 2023 episode. So, we'll be getting into those. And uh, we've got a great show. We're going to go over some of our honorable mentions, and then we're going to get into our album selections, our favorites of the year 2023, and then we'll be answering a question about a loosely related topic, and then we're going to spin the wheel of musical destiny to find out what we'll talk about on the next episode. But this week, we got to get into the favorite albums of 2023. That's what I'm talking about! Well, we've discussed a wide variety of new releases throughout 2023 from artists like Metallica, Home Is Where, Foo Fighters, Eve's Tumor, Jonas Brothers, Iggy Pop, Corinne Bailey Ray, and Wilco. But today, we are going to pick our favorites. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, our favorites as of the day that we chose our favorites, but yeah. it just really depends on the day, on your mood, yep. what you feel like. And uh, so keep that in mind always. Favorites are ever-changing. All right, so why don't we get started with uh, our honorable mentions. Honorable. I said I am an honorable man. <laughs> honorable. <laughs> now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for my first honorable mention selection talking about marnie stern and her record the comeback kid so this is marnie's fifth studio album came out in november her first record in 10 years she was uh working on late night with seth myers for a little while oof poor marnie i know right <laughs> probably pays well but not the most exciting <laughs> job in the history um but yeah she came out with uh with a vengeance i would say with this record it's a short and sweet but packed with a lot of like uh very intense Sort of like post-punk math rock sounds. Let's play a little bit of the opening cut. This is Plain Speak. Never heard of Marnie Stern. But it was an enjoyable, however quiet and then kind of crazily loud and chaotic. And then it go back to quiet. Yeah. Chaotic is a good word. There's a lot of guitar that goes, or, you know, there's like a shredding, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, very progressive, very confident sounding record. Yeah, I, I was enjoying this as much as her stuff she was doing in the early 2010s. Well, my first honorable mention is an album we discussed in episode 195. It's Depeche Mode's Memento Mori. Here's a, a clip from the song Ghosts Again. Uh, 
Uh, so this is the the fifteenth studio album from Depeche Mode. Yeah, really, kind of a, a return to to form, I would say. Uh, also, the singer David Gon co-wrote a lot of the tracks. A lot of songs about loss, and uh, yeah, I've uh, I've aged along with Depeche Mode, and we always seem to <laughs> to meet in, the, in the same places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hearing this record, I every time I've listened to it, and I've listened to it a lot this year, I picture myself in my high school hallway where my locker was senior <laughs> year. Like, so it definitely. Um, captures whatever it was, whatever magic they had then, they still have now. Yeah. I've been enjoying it quite a bit, too. I think it's uh, maybe a little bit stronger than I initially thought on our first time we, we talked about it. Uh, yeah, really, they have like, such a great sound, and I think it, it really does harken back to what I loved about them in the, in the 80s and early 90s. And if I'm honest, it's probably the album I'll listen to the most moving forward. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Let's rock! So I'm going with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard is uh, an honorable mention. The album is called Petrodragonic Apocalypse or Dawn of Eternal Night, Annihilation of Planet Earth and the Beginning of Merciless Damnation. And I've run out of time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play a little clip from Gila Monster. So this is uh, King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard's 24th album, and they've had one or two since this one. It's it's kind of like uh, Infest the Rat's Nest from a few years ago. It leans into the more metal side as opposed to the experimental indie rock type stuff. And I like that side of them and that kind of droney, almost throat singing vocal style. And it's about climate change, and but it's also about witches and monsters and all the metal tropes that uh, they decided to pull out of their butts on this one. So it's a very enjoyable, fun metal record from a not exactly metal band. It's pretty amazing the quality that they pull out of their butts, you know, to do it so frequently yes. and to put yeah. out stuff. Well, that's they so eat very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <an> Australian diet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm actually anxious to kind of spend more time with with these guys, but they have so many damn albums now. I don't don't know what to do. (laughs) This one was like number 26 on my list, I want to say. But their other record, uh, Silver Chord, I had at uh, number seven. So See Andy's list at albumnerds.com slash discord. (laughs) This is the greatest day of our lives. All right, for my second honorable mention here, talking about a band called Zulu and their record New Tomorrow. This came out back in March of 2023. It's the debut album for the hardcore punk five-piece from Los Angeles. It's a very interesting record. I had this as my number one for most of the year. I just slid it down recently. Let's play a little bit of the cut for Sister Humphrey. about sums it up <laughs> it's a hard record to sum up i would say it's i mean it's, it's hardcore punk generally but there's large elements of it are like samples and spoken word passages there's like elements of jazz and r&b and funk as well kind of interwoven and in with this um, hardcore sound uh, very experimental very interesting i've been enjoying it quite a bit no, i'm not sure i have a solid feel for every intricacy of of its uh, runtime it's very interesting, but also very. Both of your picks so far, Andy, have been chaotic and calm hmm. combos. 
Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah, it's an interesting record. I don't know that the the extreme shifts from like the soft to the to the loud. Like I'm not sure that it totally works, but I, I do need to spend more time with the record. Real man of My second honorable mention uh, is another record we've discussed before uh, back in episode 208, Boy Genius, with an album called The Record. Uh, here's uh, a song called Not Strong Enough. This is the debut album from a, a supergroup made up of indie singer-songwriters uh, Julianne Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. Yeah, this one caught me off guard, you know, when I was struggling to find uh, albums for our, our new release show, and I really fell in love with with the record. Unlike, uh, you know, other supergroups that we've talked about in the past, I, I feel like these three women really want to work together, and they're inspiring each other. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's great songwriting, you know, catchy hooks, and really clever lyrics so love this album let me throw out a topic boy genius neither a boy nor a genius discuss <laughs> i liked it earlier this year i like it now it's they 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 do bring out the best in each other yeah they all have such different sounds in their solo work and then it all fits together here though I think it's uh, still a pretty compelling listen. So yeah, and they've released uh, an EP since, so they're, they've got some momentum. Cool. Comparatively speaking, you are like a grain of sand in the Sahara Desert. Yeah, <laughs> in the entire desert. So my second honorable mention is a favorite band of mine, Rival Sons. The album is Dark Fighter. They actually came out with two albums this year, Dark Fighter and Lightbringer. Uh, let's play a little clip from the opening track, Mirrors. I mean, this song is basically just about finding yourself and realizing that you're off course and looking yourself in the mirror and correcting that course, like, what could I do better to be a better person? Uh, soaring vocals from Jay Buchanan, Scott Holliday's dynamic guitar playing. It's the rival sons as they always sound, but they just continue to perfect their sound. They don't reinvent themselves, but they continue to uh, improve. What'd you guys think of this one? I, I thought it was a pretty solid record. I mean, they're definitely progressing forward. I'm just not as in love with the direction they're going over the last few records. But I, you know, I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, I only know the uh, the other album that we that we discussed uh, last year. But um, yeah, I was definitely impressed by this one. And again, uh, the the production work of of Dave Cobb. Of course, of course. Okay, so those were our honorable mentions. Let's get into the. Meat and potatoes here, folks. Let's talk about our favorite album picks. Where's the beef? You choo choo choose me? People sometimes ask is, is music a cathartic experience? Is it like relieving yourself of it? No, it's not. It's a form of expression, but it's not therapy. You know, it doesn't solve problems. All right, my favorite album of 2023 is indeed from PJ Harvey. Her record, I Inside the Old Year Dying. This came out back in July of 2023. Did Yoda come up with the album name and some of the tracks on here? <laughs> <laughs> I inside the old year die. <laughs> 
I was trying to find the voice to do it, but uh, thank you. Uh, this is the 10th studio album for the singer-songwriter from Bridport, England. It's her first new album in seven years. She referred to it as a resting space or a solace. Okay, let's play a little bit from a title cut. This is I Inside the Old You're Dying. Yeah, so the three words I use to describe this album are haunted parallel universe nursery rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) It's an odd record, man. I didn't really care for it a ton when I first started listening to it. Considering this for our latest from a Legends episode we did earlier this year. Um, But man, it really got under my skin or more like into my bones (laughs) since then. It really, it's a strange record, man. It deals with like... You know, Elvis and Shakespeare and like there's a very like childish nursery rhyme quality to a lot of the lyrics, I would say. Mm-hmm. A lot of like uh, misspelling and mispronunciation of words seems to be intentional. There's just like, this weird like it felt like a parallel universe. Like it's kind of like our world, but a little bit different, you know, very RVized, I guess you could say. So if you went to a different version of our universe in a multiverse, this would be how PJ Harvey's entire catalog was. <laughs> in a parallel universe, she's Taylor Swift. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they call them Harveys. <laughs> They're fans. <laughs> That's right. Instead of Swifties. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange record. The production is very like ragged and distorted, and there's like a real like sonic depth to it i would say listening on headphones is a pretty rewarding experience that's a very cohesive album and that it every track feels like it just kind of like feeds into the next yeah i mean lyrically it didn't really like hit me over the head with like a strong message um so i didn't really pull a lot of meaning from it but it definitely speaks to me on like a deeper level i guess you know there's like a feeling about this record that i still can feel even when i'm not listening to it Let's hear a little bit from the closing track. This is a, a noiseless noise. Kind of felt a little velvet undergroundish there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really sure exactly what the lyrics are about there. I thought maybe it's kind of saying, you know, stop wandering, stop looking around for something more, just go home to, to love. But that might be too simple an interpretation of something that's meant to be more complex. Uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are uh, female Nick Cave, although that's oh, that's maybe time. not fair. Maybe maybe he's the male PJ Harvey. Of course, Nick Cave and, and uh, PJ Harvey dated years ago. They stole each other's vibe and look. <laughs> but they just they do seem to come from the the same place musically um tends to be you know sort of on the dark experimental side of things they both have kind of non-traditional voices and they provide like just enough of a taste of pop to you know to to keep you engaged so i i think they both do that quite well um i'm also reminded of patty smith with, with pj harvey yeah, um, totally. mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the vocal yeah, delivery. Sure. Also, you know, the, um, you know, because she's not 
an amazing singer, but she is good with the the rhythm of her of her language. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's you know, as as Andy already said, it's just this experimental and mysterious journey. Lots of cool you know sonic moments on it. I, I really like that song, um, August uh, as well. And then you know, I I'm not sure how how old PJ Harvey is now. You know, I think she's probably older than me. Um, she seems to you know still have a you know a lot of energy and art inner so i'm you know i'm happy to to hear that all right let's hear another cut from the record this is track four seam and i seam and i Never mind that Don just said semen eye. <laughs> um, <laughs> just put that out of your mind. Um, yeah, so seam and I dives into feelings of nostalgia and the messy parts growing up and a lot of weird scenes about bedraggled angels, boneyard sounds. It's very surreal. Some made-up words like twinkaten and then like... <laughs> Uh, mentioning sickly chicken whistles, which I think is what drew me to this song in particular. And just, it, it kind of sums up the vibe of the whole record. To describe it in three words, I went with Smith meets Seuss. So yes, I heard Patty Smith as well. But there's something very Seussical about yeah. what Andy was getting to earlier with the weird words, the rhyming scheme, the kind of uh, childlike vibe in some of the nursery rhymish sounds. So I just thought that it was interesting to have that Susiness mixed with the more confident, serious Patti Smith vibe. And I've not listened to PJ Harvey since the 90s. She just, it sounds more unhindered. She's just making what she wants to make as opposed to trying to fit in to any kind of music scene. And it's more interesting for it. So yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, she really gave up on like traditional song structures that you might expect from her. If you're familiar with her from back in the '90s, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting record with a lot of depth. And if you have the time and the patience to kind of commit to it a little bit, I think it definitely pays off. So once again, the record is "I Inside the Old Year Dying" by PJ Harvey, my favorite album of 2023. That's my favorite. <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. I may be remembered as a guy who wore the flower on my head or got up in crazy costumes. And if it feels, feels good and it's fun and you can explore ideas, uh, then go for it. Was that Sting talking about uh, tantric sex? (laughs) (laughs) Close. (laughs) In fact, it was uh, Peter Gabriel uh, with his first album in 21 years. Uh, It's called I.O. This is the 10th studio album from Peter Brian Gabriel, born in Chobham, Surrey, England in 1950. Uh, Of course, uh, a founding member and original lead singer of Genesis. Let's, uh, Let's hear the closing cut, actually. This is... Live and let live. To be brave enough to listen. To live and let live. 
According to Gabriel, that song is about forgiveness, tolerance, and optimism. And Gabriel described it as a joyous, rousingly positive closing note for the album. Uh, and that one actually features synths and programming from Brian Eno, who we've discussed oh. uh, on the on the show before. Weird thing about this album, there are two different mixes of every song. <laughs> The first version of the album you hear is the Bright Side mix. All those were mixed by a, a Mark Spike Stent. The second mix of the album you hear is from Chad Blake, and that's called the Dark Side uh, mix. Yeah. <laughs> Q-I roll sequence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, in, in a bit, I think. So the, the three words I chose to describe the album are can't blow out fire. That's actually, I'm referring back to the song Biko, where he says you can blow out a candle, but you can't blow out a fire. I'm surprised at just how vibrant Peter Gabriel sounds, um, particularly his voice. In fact, like I'm suspicious that his voice could be artificially augmented because I was wondering that too, if they were using um, an AI. He sounds better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I saw him live probably 10 years ago and his voice was, you know, kind of rough and gravelly. Um, it's always been a little gravelly and I don't know, just sounds really good uh, on this album. This also had the, the Guns N' Roses Chinese democracy kind of uh, treatment where it was being recorded over the course of decades yeah, or whatever. True. So so maybe the, the best sounding fresh voice is from 15 years ago. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, unlike Chinese Democracy, I think he really pulled this off. I, I think it's yes, a, it's I an agree. excellent album. It's very accessible, though. I, I'm surprised that it's not very mm. challenging uh, at all. Also, you know, you're not getting as much of that world music vibe that a lot of his his older stuff has. It's still there. Yeah, I mean, there's just a you know a lot of songs here that I think would hold up next to you know his classics in a set list or on a greatest hits compilation. Uh, let's hear more of it. This is four kinds of horses. Are you seeing something different? But you do it all again. So Peter Gabriel with that song is going to be featured on the new season of uh, Yellowstone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. So Four Kinds of Horses sort of gets into identity, illusion, repetition, and, and like people perceive themselves as unique individuals, but we often repeat our own patterns and behaviors. And he introduces this concept of four kinds of horses, four kinds of men. It's based on a Buddhist parable, so that's very Peter Gabriel-y, right? Mm -hmm. The three words I'm going to use to describe the album are atmospheric, uplifting rubber mallet. It ain't no sledgehammer. <laughs> but it gets the job done, right? You know, it, it does uh, form something, something important. And I wasn't disappointed at all. Like I, the, the pop side of him came back out. Yeah. So it could be compared to those uh, 80s and early 90s albums to, to that degree where there's some pop sensibility. It's a little more relatable, Without some of those elements Don was talking about, all the fancy world music stuff and the kind of almost there was there's sometimes he puts out a snootiness that is off putting and that does yeah. not appear here except for having an album with two mixes on the same album <laughs> just release them as as different albums right which would be fine with me like I felt obligated to listen to it twice. If that was the experience he was trying to give, but they sounded almost the same yeah. to me. But yeah, I 
did you guys hear like hear any difference? I mean, there's very subtle. Yeah, really subtle. If you if you listen to them back to back, you could kind of hear it, but it's usually just the the vocals and the bass are you know just sound a little different. But no. <laughs> okay, well let's uh, let's hear more. Uh, this is playing for time. That's good vocal right there. Yeah, he sounds fresh. Sounds good, man. And that song generally deals about, you know, aging and perspective and, you know, making the most of your time. I thought that that track was beautifully written and performed. He sounds really good on this record overall, like we were saying. My three words to describe this album are PG Apple II E Wee. Just a little computer joke. Explain yourself. IO, computer thing, 80s. Ah, yeah. gotcha. Um, I thought it was a really solid effort, man. It makes me feel like he's still, you know, relevant. Like, I, I really felt like these songs were saying something, especially the A-side. I thought that was, like, as strong as, as what he was doing back in the 80s. The B-side, it felt a little bit less urgent and maybe a little bit overly long. And especially the dark side mix felt totally unnecessary to me. But I, it's just nice having, like, someone who's more of, like, that elder statesman sort of position in the music landscape offering some not only some interesting ideas but just some perspective on things and uh you know he's got a really good positive vibe and you know it feels good to listen to these messages he's preaching and you know it is a little preachy but that's just kind of like he's british i mean i kind of expect that (laughs) (laughs) but no i was pretty positive on this i was impressed yeah me too Okay, so uh, maybe it's just recency bias because, you know, I've only had a month to process this record, but Peter Gabriel I.O. is my favorite record of 2023. Shaped like Peter Gabriel's big bloated head. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Now, Deep Questions by Don. All right. Well, it is the the new year, and this is a time when when people are making resolutions. What are your music-related New Year's resolutions? More world music. I don't necessarily mean like that specific genre, but just trying to expand outside of the U.S. a little bit more. Hearing some there's a lot of interesting things going on in in you know Spanish or you know Latino music that I'd like to get more into. Yeah, I mean Africa is always doing interesting things too. So yeah, definitely something I want to. Try and get outside of the U.S. a little bit more. Oh, and we're not really looking for a world music vibe. <laughs> so for me, it's uh, relying less on streaming services. Like I have a vinyl record collection and lots of CDs that I've been collecting for decades. And sometimes just pure laziness causes me to use my streaming service instead of getting up and cleaning the record and so if I own something that we're doing on the show, I will listen to it once on vinyl, especially if it's a classic record. But I really do need to do a better job of listening to all of my stuff while I can, <laughs> while I'm still here, you know. So that's my resolution is to uh, lay off of the streaming services a little bit and, and spend a little more time with my collection. Do you find like you get more out of listening to the physical media versus the digital form? I do. 
because there is the hard stop in the, or the flip of the record or the get up and choose something and put it in the CD player, or put it on the turntable. And the, the reason I think I lean away from that sometimes is I'm listening to music while I'm working and it's easier to just set up four albums in a playlist and, and let them go, yeah. you know. But uh, I could take the extra minute to, to get up and, and get a record off the shelf. I don't know if I've said this before, but I thought it would be cool if streaming services like Tidal or Spotify would would put in a sound of you like flipping a record when you go from side A to side B. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a lot of people would just think it's broken though. Yeah. They'd be like, "Why is it? Why does it make this weird sound?" <laughs> Maybe only if you're over forty, it. Uh, <laughs> it does you could have it randomly throw in skips and stuff like that, and some <laughs> some popping sounds. That's funny. I guess uh, my resolution is to learn more uh, about music theory. You know, it's something I'm interested in. You know, I want to know more about why music sounds the way it does and why it has the impact that it does. I I think it'll make me better at at talking about music uh, on the show, you know, at the risk of maybe getting too boring and too in the- You got to live up to that professor vibe, dude. I mean, you know, you are the doctor, so- bring it but i did take you know i took like a basic musicianship class in in college and i really struggled with this stuff so i'm really gonna have to i think there's a music theory for dummies um i think i'm gonna start there and then maybe i'll have to move on to some online classes or something okay what are your music related new year's resolutions let us know Uh, join us on the socials facebook instagram and threads also on discord albumnerds.com slash discord I'm Charles Wilson Godwin, and we're backstage here at the Opry. (laughs) Darn. Should have been my three words. Charles in charge. Damn it. (laughs) That was one of my options. Yeah, so uh, that was Charles Wesley Godwin, and uh, his album Family Ties is my favorite of 2023. This is his third album, and uh, it's... He's influenced by Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, John Prine, Chris Knight, Ryan Bingham, that kind of thing. Been a fan of his for a while, um, but this album is all about uh, family. Why don't we get into the track Minor Imperfections? His heart had just cut me deep when I was just a boy. I saw his face light up when those grandchildren were So Charles, uh, the sound has filled in a little bit over the course of these three albums. The first one was much more stripped down, uh, Seneca, and I love that record. Uh, a lot of a lot of his music centers around West Virginia, where he's from, and the, the coal mines and the blue collar world. And the song "Minor Imperfections" touches on his dad, hardworking figure, a coal miner, and how sometimes at the time of childhood it felt like he was being hard on him but ultimately um he wasn't he was teaching him how to be a how to be a good man and and father in the future so this then the song gets into his minor imperfections um when it comes to his kids but supporting them the same way his dad supported him and it's just nice you know and I, i think that's what charles does really well here he's got uh sort of a Gordon Lightfoot deal going on, and and I think it just really works. Uh, Describing this album in three words, I went with heartfelt Appalachian tapestry. My alternative three words were sha la la la. -la -la. (laughs) The Michael J. Fox sitcom 
family ties came to mind throughout the I course would, of of this for me. I was actually disappointed to find it wasn't a concept album about the Keatons. <laughs> <laughs> that I would want to hear. All right, why don't we listen to a little bit of That Time Again. That time again, it's a gathering of kin, oh, that time again. Now I really hear the Gordon Lightfoot in his voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really catchy track about, you know, just getting together with your family uh, that time of year. I mean, it's, I think that should be maybe be like our new holiday song from 2023 just, you know, put that on <laughs> gather around the christmas tree or whatever three words i use to describe this album are shallow family roots Ooh, very you know rootsy grounded alt country kind of sound here and i appreciate that i think what stuck with me or, or stuck out compared to his previous records are just kind of the lack of of intimate moments and and really in-depth storytelling i think maybe minor imperfections yeah. was the wrong one song that i felt like kind of was getting to that direction i mean there are i you know there are some really great moments on here and i did enjoy the record overall um i just didn't get as much out of it as i did some of his earlier um work um it's focused on family but i didn't really get a sense of like who his family is or you know where he was from i mean it feels like the purpose of the record is to kind of preserve or uh or at least present like how he was raised and um you know the values they had man i, I didn't yeah. i couldn't really say what those were to be honest with you after listening to this a few times um yeah i mean so like the flood was about his mother minor imperfections his father dance in the rain for his daughter and uh willing and able for his wife and i believe gabriel was about his son whose name is gabriel um it, but you know he's been touring with zach bryan who also puts out very large albums of 19 tracks. And so uh, he signed this new record deal, and I think he also experimented some. So there's the family ties, but there's also some some additional stuff in there that I think is more playing around with, with songwriting. So speaking of one of those dalliances, but it also comes back to, to home, let's uh, listen to a little bit of Q Country Roads. So that song, which uh, references the, the John Denver song, Take Me Home Country Roads, actually goes right into an actual cover of Take yeah. Me Home Country Roads, which which I think is kind of cool. Like, so if you're going to throw a cover on an album, you know, provide some some context for it or something. I, right. I thought that was kind of a, a, a clever way of, uh, of, I like of doing that. The, the three words I, I chose uh, for the album are um, just classic country storytelling. You know, it's, um, it's exactly, I think, what I expected the album to be, and it, it delivered. And I know, like, I mean, dude's really into albums like this, and I, yeah. I, I you know, I've got a, a weakness for him uh, as well. Uh, I love that the album has an overture. I feel like more albums sh- yeah. should, should have uh, overtures, you know, because like they kind of... <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it sets the tone for the album and maybe sneaks some of the melodies you're going to hear later mm-hmm. um i've never i've never seen an underture before me is, either i like that <laughs> just kind of neat so lots of clever yeah. things happening uh happening on this album i i love his voice um now i hear gordon lightfoot before i was hearing you know like 
John Mellencamp a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a warmth, I think, in his voice, which kind of softens that outlaw edge, you know, this type of artist uh, tends to have. And it's, um, I think, good country like this can be soulful. Um, and this, this really, you know, this, this has soul. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't go to the length that Chris Stapleton does. No. Like he had a new album this year as well. But yeah, with like songs like Another Leaf, which is, uh, has a, a kind of nice bridge in it. And it's about putting another leaf on the family tree. It's the only like se- sexy track I've ever heard from Charles Wesley Godwin, <laughs> but done in a way that is not overtly sexy. And I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. What do you guys think of 1038, just out of curiosity? Did you look into that at all? Uh, I did like the song. It stuck out to me. But what, what's the uh, background on the story? So the song serves as the other half of Bruce Springsteen's State Trooper from the album oh. Nebraska from 1982. So uh, Charles Wesley Godwin loves that record. Yeah. It's one of his favorites. Hmm. So in, in the uh, Springsteen song, which is called State Trooper, it's kind of dark song about a man who's committed some crime and is sort of begging in a sort of stream of consciousness that the state trooper won't pull him over. And then police code 1038 means stopping a suspicious vehicle. So Charles Wesley Godwin wrote a song from the trooper's perspective, uh, narrating cool. through responding to that call. So nice. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he's positioned himself where he has a little freedom to play with things on his records. So it does kind of remove you from the family ties part, but it also is uh, kind of kept me interested. So that was my favorite record for 2023 charles wesley godwin family ties sha la 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 <laughs> you are my favorite yeah so those are our favorite albums of 2023 be curious to know what you guys are listening to just gonna quickly highlight some stuff coming out in 2024 in january we've got new releases from green day sleater kenny future islands static x because remember static x it's terrible uh, <laughs> wow! Come on, they've got a they've got a new singer. He wears a Wayne Static mask. Oh, that's right. Ah, <laughs> oh, you push it. February sees releases from Jay Mascus, Chelsea Wolf, Idols, Rod Stewart. In March, you can Blackberry look- Smoke, nice. Yeah, Blackberry Smoke, yes. In March, you can look forward to albums from Judas Priest and the Jesus Mary Chain. Yes. And uh, later in the year, toward for records from Korn, Ludacris, and Chance the Rapper. Nice. Yeah, I, I, there's some rumored other things, but, you know, like Anthrax and some others that I'm hoping will release records. But you just never know these days. They, they spring up on you now. All of a sudden, there's a new record. That you don't have to... Yeah. You don't necessarily know it's coming anymore. It's kind of cool. <laughs> that should be exciting. I wonder if we'll finally, if we'll finally get that, that Cure record. Yeah. <laughs> Is there one coming it's out? It's been coming soon? out we'll like see. every year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they get a release date. All right. That's a couple things to look forward to for next year. Uh, what have you guys been listening to this year? What are you looking forward to next year? Sound off on the Album Nerds Discord. Albumnerds.com slash Discord. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. Alright boys and girls, it's that time again. Gather round as we pull back the veil and take a peek at what Destiny has in store for our eardrums.
As album nerds, you love music and the songs lovingly crafted for albums by your favorite artists. They love music too. Sometimes, they show that love by covering songs or entire albums of some of their favorite artists. Next week, you will be exploring albums where an artist or band covers others. Enjoy! So cover albums. So we'll be looking for a single artist or band with an album full of covers, whether it's by the same artist or from various people's catalogs. So that should be interesting. So coolest album covers. Wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, wrong, Well, if, you can, if it's both, that's even better. So if the album cover is particularly cool and the song covers on the album, then that's a, that's a match made in heaven. Don't forget, you can uh, suggest topics for the Wheel of Music Destiny on our website, albumnerds.com, as well as vote for any ongoing Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination. All right. What's your favorite cover album? What's your favorite album from 2023? What else are you listening to? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Album Nerds. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support. Thank you for joining us. Once again on the Album Nerds Podcast, we'll catch you next time with those cover albums. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never... (laughs) (laughs) What the hell does that song mean? What does this song mean? My whole life, I don't know what this song means. I mean, should old acquaintance be forgot? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And a happy new year, you filthy animal.